We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Hello, everybody. Welcome into the NBA Front Office Show. I'm Trevor Lane. You can find me on Twitter at Trevor underscore Lane. Joined by Keith Smith at Keith Smith NBA. Uh, not in my normal studio, doing a little bit of traveling, seeing some family right now, but plenty of stuff going on in the world of the NBA, especially in the coaching world. My goodness, Keith, that was that was a shock when the Monty Williams news broke last night. Yeah, let, let me start with, I think uh, viewers of the show, obviously audio listeners aren't going to know any different, but but the viewers of the show are going to be like, man, Trevor's always bouncing all around and Keith never leaves that corner of that room. Uh, <laughs> it, and it, it does feel like that at times. But Just, but, just uh, wait till, till July when we're all, we're it. both in the studio together for, uh, for summer week. Yeah, first time we'll see each other in person and uh, years, years i think, I think. Uh, pre-pandemic which <laughs> is crazy right. but yeah to get into the basketball of it all yeah i mean monty williams to the pistons that part was not too much of a shock right we we kind of heard that bubbling over the last couple of days i think mark stein was the first one who was really on it of like they haven't given up hope yet on monty williams and then we hear yeah it looks like it's happening and then it was He's going to make $70 million and 72. And then I think the latest was 78.5 guaranteed up to $100 million, Dr. Evil. Um, so that it turns into like, that's crazy. I tweeted about it this morning at the $78.5 million. That would make him the 104th highest paid player in the league. There would be 103, um, but 103rd is Anthony Edwards at 13.5 million. Uh, Wendell Carter is 104th at 13.05 million. So 13.08 wow. average annual value for Monty Williams. So that is a boatload of money that the Pistons are giving him. Well, and, and so the the news that we and we talked about this the other day on the show was that Monty Williams had said no that he wasn't yeah. going to join the Pistons. That's what happened. But the Pistons said, well hey, we're going to come strong with this offer anyway, and we're going to see if we can talk you into it. Remember, Monty Williams, I think his his plan was, I'm going to take a year off after mm -hmm. getting, getting let go by the Phoenix Suns. I understand why he didn't turn this down. He is now the highest paid head coach in the NBA. In addition to this being a six-year deal, Keith, that's not normally what head no. coaches are. We're talking four yeah. years, maybe five for like the top, top, top tier guys. A six-year deal for Monty Williams. And then on top of that, I was saying, to some of our Lakers Nation staff saying what's going to happen is this is his agent letting this out. It's going to be it's a six year deal, but really the last year is a team option and it's, you know, incentives to get to 70 million. There's no way it's really 70 million. No, now we're hearing the incentives take it up to 100 million. Like 
Keith, I think this is the kind of deal that if you're Monty Williams, not only do you have to accept, but you're accepting this for all the other coaches mm-hmm. around the NBA because this changes the entire coaching market. Coaches weren't getting deals like this. No. This changes everything for coaches moving forward here in the NBA. Absolutely. I've got a couple thoughts. My first is I think uh, Pistons owner Tom Gores, who apparently was the one who pushed for this. I'm guessing he sat down and was like, make him an offer he can't refuse. <laughs> right? And that's just kind of how it went down. Right? It had to have been. like, Because, I mean, it, was it like, how about, you know, 40 million. How about 50? How about 60? Oh, okay. 80. All right. How about we couldn't even make it a hundred. Right. And that's like, right. it's just, you know, bonkers, but yeah, to put this in perspective, the highest paid coach and coach salaries are a little tricky to track down. Yeah. And sometimes they're, they're not always the most accurate, but the highest paid coach that we know of was Greg Popovich. Now, the funny thing is he's working now without a contract for next year. But he's wrapping up, and that one's probably just a matter of, yeah, we'll do it when we do it, and we'll figure it out. Um, but it was about $11 million a year, and that's obviously earned over two-plus decades of success. Then after that, you get down into coaches that were making like seven, eight, nine million million, $9 and there's a pretty big group in that window. Now you've got Monty Williams, highest-paid coach, and this is no knock on Monty Williams because I think he, he probably will do a nice job. Uh, coaching this team but my guess is like or, or not my guess my concern is like this dude's not like hasn't won like multiple titles like, like if this was like the detroit pistons lord eric spolster away at 13 million dollars a year from miami Heat, i'd be like all right totally get it right like that that totally makes sense but yeah man that that's just that that number is just you know it's bonkers to to be at you know that that much money did Nick Nurse put pen to paper yet with the 76ers? <laughs> right. He may want to renegotiate whatever right. whatever that deal is. I don't recall. I don't even know if it was released. What he yeah, got. I don't think it has been, no. I mean, like this this changes a lot. And then this took me to how do the Suns feel right now? Like this is the guy they just released that a few weeks later becomes the highest paid head coach in the league. That suggests that, that he's this amazing head coach, that he's fantastic. And again, you – you mentioned that maybe that's a question mark, but but if you're the Suns, you just let this guy go and he instantly got snatched up as though he is a superstar head coach. Are you looking at this and just saying the Pistons are idiots? I don't know what they're doing. Or are you second guessing a little bit and thinking, did we just make a mistake? Yeah, my guess is they're probably, hey, well, we're, we're ready. You know, we, we were ready to to move on from from this anyway Let, let's you know go that direction so i'm thinking this is a situation where it becomes a you know yeah we're, we're good right we're, we're in a spot where it is um how do i put this it's like we're, we're good with our decision and if nothing else matt ishby is now happy because very very likely he doesn't have to pay monty williams anything now because it was believed he had two or three fully guaranteed years right. left on his contract and now he's not gonna have to pay him anything at all um because almost always in these situations when you take a, a job like this it turns into a you know offset of you know if you were making seven million new team pays you five you get five from the new team two from your old team if you made seven you get none you make more 
signed. Obviously, you don't give any money back to them, but uh, obviously he's making more than he was making before. But yeah, I do wonder if there's at all, though, to your point, there could be some second guessing of like, wait, do we miss something? Right here, it's almost like right when, when all of a sudden a player gets signed for more money than you were willing to give them, like you start to be like, wait, or some guy gets drafted higher than you know where you had him. It's like, wait, did, did we all miss something with this? But yeah, I mean, in switching over to the Pistons side of it, if I can, yeah. Good for them, right? This is great. Now you've got the guy that you're, you know, you're ready to be competitive next year. They're going to try, right? We know they didn't trade Bogdanovich. They didn't trade Burks. That was with eyes on. Let's try to be a good team next season. So I think we're in a spot where it is, hey, let's try to push this forward and try to win if we can. Yeah. And look, they're committing to him long term. So he's obviously in, you know, you're going to get Katie Cunningham back. You're going to have an opportunity to really build this out the right way around Monty Williams and this core of young players. You're going to have the number five pick in the draft. Um, and the, the Suns thing, I do wonder if it's a little bit of the – it's kind of like in a fantasy draft where you're considering doing something and you wind up going the other way, and then the next guy picks the guy that you are going to take and does it with like zero time off the clock, just does it instantly, and then you're kind of like, oh, shoot, did I just blow that? Um, I wonder if that's how they're going to ultimately feel. But for the Pistons side – this is this is a strong, strong, strong commitment to Monty Williams moving forward. And I do wonder how much of this is fallout from the draft lottery. Like, do they have to pay Monty Williams this if they get the number one pick? Uh, yeah, that's a good question. Right? Yeah. I mean, <laughs> I mean, yeah. I mean, it's, it's a more attractive job, right? For sure. Right. If you so, have the number one pick, you probably could have taken a little bit less. But that, that's interesting. I haven't really thought too much about that part. That's a really good question. So, but in any event, they, they get him now. They get yep. Monty Williams. They're able to now build this team moving forward. They've got that certainty. They've got that stability. And we'll see what they can turn this into. Like you said, they're, they're not going to try to continue to roll out the tank. I, it, wouldn't, it wouldn't shock me if number five was on the move at some point. Wouldn't, sure. wouldn't shock me. It, I, I think it's not likely. I think most likely they just make the pick. Mm-hmm. But they're a team that I'm looking at that I think, and there's a number of teams in this draft, but they're one of the teams I'm looking at that I'm thinking if they really want to make that push, they may listen to some offers for number five. Yeah, I'm with you on that. I project them to have a bunch of cap space too. So so I think we could be in position to see it go down that way as well. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. You move five and something with your cap space, bringing a guy to add to that group and and trying to push it forward right away. Yeah, I think too they're they're in a fun spot because they've got a pretty flexible roster, not just in terms of salaries, but like Cade Cunningham, you can either play him as your primary on ball creator, you could move him into a secondary creator role. He's got enough size; he can play the one, two, or three positions and probably should be able to hold his own defensively uh there Jaden ivy can play you know either the one or the two um he you know because the team was such a mess got a ton of valuable on ball reps and got all those bigs that they're gonna cycle through and sort through over the next uh year or so and figure that out so yeah i think you know, we're in a really fun spot uh with this pistons team and they've got boyan bogdanovich who's going to be an attractive trade option on the market again if they decide they might just decide to keep him but yep. the contract they signed him to means that he is still a very uh enticing trade chip out there on the market this summer 
Yeah, and and we've talked about it before. Yeah, he's older, but he's not slowing down. He's still yep. you know really good as either a primary scorer, which he was most of his time with the Pistons, or you know ideally probably be like your third option on a really good team. But you know can still shoot, can still score off the dribble, can still do all the things you want him to do. There, there there's a lot of nice pieces there, and I'm guessing. Yeah. All right. We start talking $70 million, $80 million and some nice pieces on the roster. Monty Williams probably started to say, all right, Detroit doesn't sound so bad. Let's make it happen. Absolutely. Absolutely. And just to put a bow on it. uh, If I'm Detroit, I am, I'm, if I get the right offer, I'm moving Boyan Bogdanovich. I just, he's 34. His value is not going to get higher. I like him a lot, but I mean, he's not part of your long-term, long-term future. And that's what you're going to be building now with Monty. I'd cash in the asset right now if I can, if I can. I think they're probably going to go the other way, though. Think I they're think they're going to be let's add to the roster and try try to win and let, let him be kind of the bridge to help us get to be a good team. And at the bottom of the Eastern Conference, I can see where they could feel like, hey, a couple of these teams slide back a little. You know, why, why not us? That that takes that jump up. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I just think if you can get a younger piece, I, I'm with you. to win, but – he may be the guy that they want to be the bridge. That's possible. Yep. yep. All right, let's jump over to Chicago. Um, the Bulls talking extension with Nikola Vucevic. Uh, should they extend Vucevic? I mean, obviously, it's never good to let a guy just just go. And their cap sheet is, I mean, I don't. we don't know what's going to happen with Lonzo. There's a rumor out there that they think Lonzo is done, done. Um, I don't, there's no certainty in that at all. And hopefully he comes back. We know he's out for next season, but is an extension with Nikola Vucevic the right move for the Chicago Bulls? Obviously, you've got Zach Levine uh, eating up the the bulk of their their cap space, but then you have DeMar DeRozan. His deal expires after this year. Uh, do you want to commit long-term to Vucevic, knowing that DeRozan might not be part of your future after this season? Yeah, I think the challenge here becomes what kind of extension are we talking about? Anything that's more than two years in length, I'm probably not overly interested in unless it gets really silly. You know, if it's, you know, turns into, you know, $10 million a year, then yeah, then, then I'm all over it. But if, if I can get him for, you know, two years, even two years at 20 ish million a piece, I don't have a huge issue with that. I know there are Bulls fans that are like, for the love of God, would you just lean into rebuilding, let him go, <laughs> move DeRozan in a nice trade. I think most of them are content. Let's keep Zach Levine, but let's just move move into a rebuild. But I know other Bulls fans that are also like, nah, like we're, we're there's too much still here to be that bad, right? Like we're not going to fall all the way to the full bottom of the lottery. So, and the reality is, this team still owes a pick. They 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 they're done with the magic obligations, but they still owe a pick to the Spurs down the line um, that they owe. So I don't know that they're going to fully bottom this thing out um, in that that way. So the reason why I say two years, that's kind of your window to work around the Lonzo contract. Now, if we're a year from now and Lonzo hasn't played, I think the bulls need to, you know, look, they'll probably start pushing like, all right, this is done where we want right. the long-term injury exclusion. We want the money wiped off the books and we, we want to be done with this um, and go forward. And if, and if he makes it back later, you know, good on him, but you know, we need to move on. But for now it sounds like they're committed to, Hey, we're going to see if we can make it work, which that means you've got $20 million that you got to work around on the cap sheet. That's just the reality of the situation. It sucks, but that's where you are. So for me, DeRozan and Levine, pretty good. Patrick Williams made real major steps forward this yeah, year as a player. What do they do with him? 
Yeah, I think you keep them, right? And then, you know, the, the, the tricky part becomes, you know, where are we going after that, right? It's he's extension eligible this summer. You know, right. can you get him at a reasonable number? Or do you kind of say, hey, we're going to bring Vooch back on a shorter term deal, you know, maybe one year? You know, if you wanted to really overpay him for a year just to say, hey, we can only give you a year and the second year is either team option or partial or non guaranteed or whatever, which is becoming a more and more popular strategy. Right with older players, then I think maybe you let Williams play it out, see where it's at and then go. But, you know, I, I don't know that I'd feel super uncomfortable with giving him like a DeAndre Hunter ish extension. Um, I, I think he's shown just as much as Hunter had shown at that point in his career. So, you know, I really like Patrick Williams. Um, so you start looking at it, it's like, yeah, I kind of like these pieces, right? There's enough guys here that I feel kind of good about this. So then what that turns into is, all right, well, we really going to roll forward with Andre Drummond as our five, like, and that's it. Like, he's fine as a backup, right? Really good as yep. a backup five, but like, is is that what we want to do? So I, I, I get it why they're talking extension. For me, I wouldn't do more than two years. I think that's too too much. Whether whether they do one of those extensions that gets done before uh, July first, or it's a re, or it turns into a resigning. Either way, I'm going to stick to you know, g- give me, give me. A deal that is, you know, maybe forty-five to fifty million guaranteed, and if it's two years, fine. If it's like three years, and the last year is partially guaranteed or non-guaranteed, or however you do that, but you know, forty-five to fifty million guaranteed over a couple of seasons, I think that's perfectly fine. As you you try to figure things out, um, you know, with with what you got to work around. Yeah, I like targeting two years too because then you're you're taking Alex Caruso's deal and you're, you're tying Vucevic to that. When that comes off the books, you'll have Vucevic coming off the books as well. Then you've got um, Lonzo's deal would fall off as well at that point. So you could put yourself in a situation where you can truly revamp things in that offseason. Now we'll see what else they do. I mean, you, you give Patrick Williams an extension. That's obviously going to cut into that, assuming that's, you know, say a four-year deal. But it puts them into a position where you can really wipe the slate clean in a couple of seasons and go for it at that point. But yeah, I think that a two-year extension would be would be good. What they don't want to do is let him walk away for nothing. At the very least, try to get a sign and trade. Um, but I think the preference should be to extend him within reason. You just got to be careful, especially with these older bigs who can fall off pretty quick. You got to be careful that you don't wind up with a bad contract. And I think you're right. I think a two-year yeah. deal puts you in in range there to make sure that you're still getting a guy who's going to contribute on the floor for you potentially be a trade asset in the future, not going to be a negative value player, depending again on what you extend him for. And then you put yourself in position to kind of revamp things in a couple of seasons. Yeah, that's exactly it. That's it. You know, anytime you know, you're talking a year or two, that's quick enough. And again, I think then now you're tied to, to Lonzo's deal, you know, that gets you through Cause I know he's got a player option. It would be shocking at this point if he declined that just sure. given everything he's gone through over the last year plus. So I think we're in a spot where, you know, yeah, that, that, that kind of ties you to where then things get clean after that, right after that it's Levine and, you know, an extended uh, Patrick Williams maybe, and then whatever else you've kind of done um, through, throughout the process. So that that's where you're, you should be in pretty good shape. So yeah, I do two more years, kind of, kind of run it back, keep him on a, uh, a number where he's, you know, tradable if you want to get out of it and you know, 20, 25 million, that's, that's fine. I think people get so down on Vooch and like, 
he's a walking double double like that has value like right. he, you know the guy he's not a great defender no he's not somebody who can build an entire defense and, and have him anchored he's not rudy gobert i get that part of it but like he he's still efficient scorer you know hits hits the outside shots can score inside better passer than he ever gets credit for in an outstanding rebounder so yeah it's one of those things where i think you know people act like he's a mid-level version of center and he, he's not like he's still a very viable good starting center in this league but what you mentioned is why because he's sure. not that traditional rim protecting center yeah. and that's what people so, think of when they yeah. think of, of centers they think of hey i need a guy who's going to block a bunch of shots at the rim who's going to grab all the rebounds for us and is going to do all the dirty work and that's not really what he does he's got this offensive game it's like it's like a running back who isn't great running between the tackles but is great catching the ball you still got to catch flack because they sure. don't do what you expect the running back to do, right? So that's part of it. And and that's not necessarily on Busevich. That's not on the Bulls. That's part of it is just our perception of what a player is supposed to be and what they're supposed to do and not sometimes recognizing it when players do things that are outside that box. Yeah, that's exactly it. Yeah, and it's funny, though, because don't you find – you get a guy that that's what they do is they, they rim protect and they're, they're a threat around, you know, lob threat around the basket area. And then immediately people are like, man, but we need a stretch five. We can set yep. out. And hit a yep. five. It's like, well, you know, there's, there's, there's one Joel Embiid, right? <laughs> like who can do, you know, kind of all those things at the center position. And then everybody else, you, you got to kind of pick and choose. We're driven by the search for better, but when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Here's what skill you want. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. All right, uh, let's talk about another center who wants an extension. That's Jonas Valanciunas. This is a lot trickier, I think, when I'm looking sure. at the Pelicans cap sheet. Can they do this? Can they give him an extension? I mean, I guess the, the answer is yes, they can, right? But but should they, I guess, is the, is the real question here. Because you're going to have, you've got... You know, Brandon Ingram's going to need a new deal in the summer of 2025. You've got Josh Richardson. Are you just letting him walk away? And now we've got Keith. I'm treating the new super taxes, we're calling it, as a hard cap, essentially. I'm thinking teams mm -hmm. are not going to want to go past that because it's so punitive. If yep. you do, 
the Pelicans could be a team if you start stacking up a Valanciunas extension. You add, you bring back Josh Richardson. Um, you've got a decision to make, I guess, potentially with Jackson Hayes. I think he's probably gone. But at some point, you're going to have to pay Trey Murphy, Jose Alvarado. Right? These are mm-hmm. and it's a couple seasons away from that. But the Pelicans are one of these teams that might have to make some difficult decisions in a few years, and extending Valanciunas now might complicate things even further down the road. Yeah, so here's what we're facing, right? Valanciunas under contract for this coming season at about $15.5 million. Next season, 24-25. So, again, just to whenever I say this season now, I'm talking about the one that will start next year. Like, I'm already right. moved on, uh, you know, there. But it's 24-25. This is what's already on the books for three players, for Brandon Ingram, C.J. McCollum, who was extended, and Zion Williamson, whose extension will start this summer, a projected $105.5 million for just those three players. Normally, you'd say, all right, not huge problem, except two of those three guys can't stay healthy, and the other one's an aging small guard. So that's a little bit of a problem. Let's go a little further. Let's add in Larry Nance Jr. and his $11 million. Now up to 116.7. Let's add in Trey Murphy, Dyson Daniels, because they're not going anywhere, and probably Jose Alvarado, because he's probably not going anywhere either. We're already at $130 million for seven players. And and Herb Jones. Yep, re-signed Herb Jones. That's probably going to be minimum 10 to 15 million, minimum. And that maybe you're lowballing it. Yeah. And so now you're in a position where you're up, but let's just let's be conservative and say we're at about $145 million. Well, you still have plenty of room to play under the tax and definitely plenty of room under the super tax with that. But you've got an awful lot of roster spots to fill out. So that's why this becomes a difficult decision with Valanchunas because they may stumble into finding out too, hey, you know, some of our better lineups are to get all these guys on the floor together are to play Zion at the five and just yeah. work you know, that way and play super small, you know, spaced out and give him all the room in the world to work with and do all that stuff. The other piece is, now I'll flip it the other side, is can you afford not to extend uh, sure. Valanchunas? Because – you're, we just ran through it, right? You have no ability to replace him if he leaves. My guess is if I'm the Pelicans, I'm going to just let it run out and let's see where it goes, right? And if if, if it hits a point where, you know what, it's, you know, he's playing really good, you can do that extension all the way through the year because he's on an expiring deal. You don't have to rush in anything right now this summer. Uh, maybe he becomes part of a trade package that gets you more of a long-term option and a better fit alongside Zion at the five. He's a lot like Vucevic in a way where you're kind of a walking double-double if he plays enough minutes and not a super great guy that's going to anchor your defense either. But just, you know, it's a weird fit. I'll go back to what I wrote for Spot Track, though, when I wrote the Pelicans offseason preview. None of this really matters if Zion and Ingram can't stay on the floor. True. Like that, you know, that's all that really matters for this team. Like uh, you do whatever else you need to do, but if those two guys can't stay on the floor, it it just doesn't matter. Like it's it's I, I don't I hate to boil it down to that, be that cynical, but it really doesn't. You know, I like Valanciunas a lot. I thought um I think he is kind of a throwback. He can occasionally shoot a three every, you know, every now and then, but uh, he's a bit of a throwback in terms of just he wants to get in the paint and do all that, all the kind of dirty work stuff we talked about. Not a big rim protector, but but I do like him. Um, as, I, a, as a I thought they didn't utilize him enough um, towards the end of the season there, particularly against OKC. I thought they were going to just let him feast in the paint. They kind of did at the beginning of the game and then went away from that. Um, that said, if I'm, if I'm Valanciunas, 
I'm I'm asking for an extension. He's 31 years old, just averaged a double double. Like, 31, and this is year 12 for him. I yeah. think we forget how young he came into the league. Like that's that's kind of crazy, right? He was a 19 year old when, when he when he hit the league. Like yeah. That, I, like that just kind of jumped off the page to me, but yeah, I, I'm with you. Yeah, I 100. He should be pushing, and he said that himself. Right, that this where this report came out of was he did an interview overseas. I, I think it, I'm not entirely sure, but I think it was with uh, a Lithuanian outlet mm-hmm. um, because that's where he's from. And and he did say, yeah, I'm going to ask for an extension. Like I want to get extended this summer with the Pelicans. So you know that's where all this is coming out of. All right, let's move over to uh, the aforementioned Oklahoma City Thunder, who are also in an interesting posi- position when we talk about the super tax. Eventually, potentially, could be <laughs> a little bit. I mean, they've we got, got a little while, but they're, they're oh yeah, they've got they've got plenty of time. But they're a team where it makes a ton of sense because the news is that they're going to try to move up in the draft because they have so many picks. I don't think they can possibly pay all of these draft picks long term. So if you have a guy that you really like that you need to move up a couple of spots even to go get, do it. You've got you've got all these assets to make things like this happen. So the Thunder attempting to trade up in the draft, to me, that's kind of a duh. Of course they are because they're one of the teams that has the currency to do it in the form of all these draft picks that they've accumulated. And again, they've got, I think, more picks than they can possibly use. So why not if they find somebody that they really like? Yeah, Trevor, not only can they not pay them all, they can't roster all these guys. <laughs> that's that's, that's the, bigger, the bigger point, right? right? Are we going to see a, a 25-man roster or what? There's <laughs> yeah. no way. Yeah, I, I would like to see that. They were probably, you know, pushing in the CBA negotiations. Like, yo, can, can we do an NFL style, you know, 53-man roster? And like, <laughs> yo, we'll, we'll pick. You know, a practice we need to be squad. active each game or something? Like, right? Because that's just where they're at. I mean, I, I've we've talked about it a lot. I'm going to continue to talk about it. They have one uh, real free agent this summer, Dario Sarge. That's it. Everybody else is coming back, and that's including you're adding Chet Holmgren plus this year's pick. So, you know, roster spots are at a premium. And and as you go through their roster, there's no guys you're kind of like, well, yeah, that guy's on the roster, but, like, he's, you know, they're just waiting for his deal to expire or whatever. These are all guys that they've either drafted and developed or acquired and developed and, you know, built them up from there. So there's no easy, like, okay, there's a cut. There, there's a guy that they'll yeah. just let go. There's a guy that moves on from. And on top of that, they've got, you know, I project them to have like $30 million in cap space this summer. That's where I've been saying, you know, this team's good already. And yeah. I've been saying like, hey, if you think, you know, Let's go get the, the guy who just kind of jumps out because it's like similar career progression at the time. But if they were like, hey, when the Sixers were ready to be good, they spent an overpaid J.J. Redick on a one-year deal. Then they subsequently re-signed him to a couple more contracts. But if the Thunder were like, you know the guy who's really would fit with us and be really good? Harrison Barnes, right? And I just throw that out there because he's like a similar type career as where Redick was. He would fill a need. We can give him 25, 28, 30 million dollars for one year because why not? Like it's it's not gonna hurt anything. You know, it's one year deal. Go get him. He fills a need. And then if we really like it, then you know what? Now we get his non-bird rights and we can pay him. Then we can lock into all right. Now we feel like a three-year deal at 15 million a year is more reasonable. We lock into that and go forward with things like that. There's and and that's just one example. You know, if they were like Brooke Lopez could be our guy at the five mm-hmm. and we feel like Holmgren's more of a four and it'd be a great mentor for him. 
we can pay Brooke Lopez $20 million a year over the next two, three seasons. Cause it doesn't really matter. Cause they're, you know, still in such great shape roster and cap flexibility wise, when you only have one or two roster spots to fill in a ton of cap space, you almost can't screw it up. Right. You know, well, unless you do you know, something insane um, and they're not going to, we know that. So that's just the kind of thing I'm thinking about with the thunder moving forward, but moving up in the draft. Yeah. That makes sense too. start consolidating stuff together. This is where, it, it it bit them a couple years ago, right? They tried to move up to the Alperin Shingun pick, and the Rockets were like, "Nah, we're good. Like, yeah, you know, we're we're not gonna get get there." But however that played out, I may maybe have that slightly wrong. But it was like we don't want your pick that became Shingun. maybe they moved the pick that yeah. yeah they moved the pick that became him. That's what it was. But when they tried to move up at other points, teams were like, "I don't want your fifteen, you know, top." 15 protected picks like right. those don't do anything for me like you know give me your good stuff like give me the you know the good ones you have coming like i'm all in on that and that you know what went a little different but they were also able to do things like they want to move up like two or three spots to get jeremiah robinson earl in the second round here's you know two extra first round or two extra second round picks to do so we, we want to get it get involved to move up to get usman jang um, here's three of those picks. That's what they can do is you know, almost kind of overwhelm you with volume. It's not always going to be the best volume, but you know, teams will look at it and be like, yeah, I can take that. Especially if you're a team that's sitting there with like, yeah, you know, we kind of owe a pick in the future and we're, we're a little bit rough on our draft pick situation. Yeah. They can definitely get into a spot where it becomes you know, a way of like, yeah, let's put, let's throw all this stuff together and into a deal. This is a, a totally an aside, but you mentioned him. Harrison Barnes is getting way too much hate out there right now. Anytime he gets brought up, all I see is just negative, negative, negative. Because you crazy stretch at the yeah, it's it's it's, it's shocking me. He put up fifteen and five on thirty seven percent shooting from deep, and he's six eight and can defend multiple positions. Like yeah, he's not he's not an all star. He's not great or anything like that. But I think he's a pretty easy fit on a lot of teams. But people are looking, you know, what he did most recently in the playoffs, and there and there there's a lot of frustration with him yeah. uh, over that which is bizarre. I didn't think that was going to be a thing, but lately it's been anytime he comes up, I get uh, tons of negative comments about him, but yeah, it's weird. I don't get it either too. And this is a guy who again, been around forever, but came yeah. in so young, you know, he's, he's only 31 years old, just turned 31, like uh, uh, two days ago. So happy birthday, Harrison Barnes. Um, you know, but yeah, man. <laughs> happy he, birthday. We'll try not to hate you so much. Yeah, exactly. And I don't think either one of us do. Yeah. You know, no. not no, right. So 15 and five, but Played all 82 games. Stats has a ton of value. 47% from the field, 37% from three, 85% from the free throw line, and still gets to the free throw line five times per game. And this is as the Kings third, fourth, sometimes fifth option in games, depending on, you know, what they were trying to do to get Kevin Herter and Keegan Murray going at most, he was their third option behind Fox and Sabonis. Like hundred percent, you know, somebody should be all over getting Harrison Barnes. Really, sure. really, really good player. Absolutely. Absolutely. All right. Let's talk a little bit about the, uh, the G league ignite. You know, we've talked, we've, this has been a, a continuing conversation for us over the, the life of this show has been the development of the G league as a true alternative path into the NBA. And now we're seeing this with two of the top picks from mm -hmm. uh, the 2024 draft. So again, not this year's draft, but next year, Ron Holland, Matas Buzelis um, signing with G league ignite rather than going the college route, rather than going any other route. This is, I, I think it's been really cool to just follow the development of, of the G league over time. And I think it's a great option for players. And we're seeing it now with guys like Jalen green that are going straight from 
the G League getting drafted highly into the NBA. And it's kind of paved the way for guys to do this and presents that alternative to going into the college system, which uh, is great to see. And again, this is either this is even going to further that progression. Yeah, it's the, the big thing with this is these are just options, right? That didn't exist. Uh, you know, as recently as five years ago for, for these players, it's, it's now there's all these options that they can do a lot of different stuff. And, you know, uh, uh, Buzelis and Holland are both sounds like then it's very early, right? Cause we're, we're well over a year out from their draft. It'll change a lot. It'll it can and will. Right. But sounds like they're both projected top three to five picks. Uh, Buzelis is, I believe the top ranked player uh, by ESPN mm -hmm. for the 2024 class. So uh, Holland was the top ranked uh, college recruit uh, on, on some uh, college boards. So, so yeah, so we're in a spot where, you know, there definitely is a lot of, um, uh, you know, interest in this and this is just, you know, two guys are going to go in, they're going to do what they always do, right? That GE night roster will be uh, half prospects and half kind of, um, fringe NBA guys, guys who've been in the league for a few years, guys who've been fighting around because that's you know, part of what it is, is that's where they develop them up They're they, They're also incorporating the G league ignite more and more into uh, more things in the G league, right? They started out as very much just an exhibition team. Yeah. Now they do play in the various G league tournaments and those kind of things. And they, they do play a pretty full schedule that rivals, uh, you know, even slightly more than what a college schedule would look like the NBA has put a ton of money into where they train uh, for the G league ignite and those kind of things. So yeah, just something we wanted to know because there's two more good players going that path. Yep. Absolutely. Absolutely. And something we'll continue to keep an eye on. Last thing we've got, we are inching closer to the NBA. It's going to be, the draft is going to be here before we yeah, know it. Three weeks from we're, today. June. we're into June now. <laughs> we are just weeks away from the NBA draft, but the NCAA really? draft withdrawal really? date has come and gone. So now we are, it's check off one more box, another hurdle to clear to get to that big night of the NBA draft. I guess, Keith, with this whole show, we didn't even mention the NBA finals start tonight. Mike Malone is going to be right? furious with us. <laughs> yeah, you know, I'm, uh, I am I am excited for these finals. I think they're going to be good. I think people hitting on them are going crazy. But, yeah, that, that'll be fun. But related to the topic at hand here, uh, yeah, yesterday, uh, May 31st, was the withdrawal date for NCAA players that had entered as uh, early entry candidates. Uh, so in order to go back to school, they had to drop out. A um, couple notable names that, that came out of that process that dropped out. Zach Eady, who is the player of the year at Purdue. Uh, he's the, the big guy, you know, seven foot four kid. Uh, he's going back to Purdue. Um, uh, we, you know, so he's pro probably the single biggest name. Um, but then you had guys like Dylan Mitchell, who was an exciting forward from Texas. He's going to go back. Terrence Shannon and Coleman Hawkins, a couple guys from Illinois, are headed back to, to school. Trey Alexander, Ryan Kalkbrenner, and um, uh, Baylor Shireman are all going back to Creighton. Uh, Judah Mintz is a kid out of Syracuse who's going to go back. Um but uh, a bunch of guys dro dropped out heading back to college. Um, some of some guys are going to transfer when they go back. Other guys are going to play it out. Um, I forgot Arthur Kaluma is going back to Creighton too. That Creighton team should be absolutely loaded uh, with talent going into next season. Um, but you know, a lot of guys stayed in the draft too, right? Like uh, 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 
When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Brandon Miller is still in the draft. Jordan Hawkins still in the draft. Um, Amani Bates, who was one point in time, a you know, major, major uh, recruit coming in. He's still in the draft. Case on Wallace, Derek yeah. Lively. Um, you know, I'm not going to go through all of them. We're going to do a lot more draft stuff later. I know Sean did a video for the channel talking about the draft yep. a little bit already. So we're going to, that's, to come over the next three weeks as we, you know, it's that I'm more prepared for this draft than I usually am. And like, I'm still like, like 50 players behind that. I haven't like had a chance to look at fully yet that I'm going to try to cram in at some point when I discover the eighth day in the week that, you know, exists only when you really need it. It's like the rumor requirement in Harry Potter or something. Well, you're, you're still ahead of me, ahead of me right now. So uh, (laughs) we've got that, but, uh, but yeah, I'm trying to play catch up at this point, but it's coming. It's coming. It's going to be an exciting night. And I think that this year's draft, looking at it, again, we'll, we'll have plenty of time to discuss it, but I think there could be a number of picks on the move. There's a lot of teams where it makes sense for them to either move up or to move back or to move out of the draft. I mean, there's. I think we're going to be in for a really exciting night on uh, on June 22nd, which is going to be a lot of fun. And Keith, you and I are going to go live for that. So that yeah, we are, at least for the first round. Uh, you know, we'll, we'll, we'll see where it goes. I'm probably going to make you stay this year into a few picks into the second round because the Celtics' only pick is pick 35. So maybe we'll do the inverse of what we did last year. There we go. Stay. A few picks to get the Lakers pick. And those second round picks come so fast and furious anyway. So, yeah, we'll we'll, we'll go live at least for, you know, probably if not the entire first round of, you know, all of it and maybe into the second round. And we'll have a lot of fun and we'll hope for chaos because that's what we want at the draft. Right. Let's get let's get trade after trade after trade and those kind of things. And I think we're going to see some of that process starting um, at this draft because of this whole set of. Are we going to get our books in order, right? All these teams with the super tax and all those things coming. But yeah, off season is it's here, man. We're, we're in a draft month now. Free agency opens in, you know, basically four weeks. Um, it, it'll open up. So we're, we're, we're there. We've, we've got all this stuff. And a couple people asked, we will go through the free agent rankings again. Yep. Um, uh, you know, game coverage is pretty much dried up. You know, that's, that's good. You know, we got one game every, three days basically now for as long as the finals run. So, so yeah, we're going to do a lot of that stuff. So, you know, as the news slows down a little bit, um, we'll definitely get into our free agent rankings and all those kind of things and, and all that stuff. It's going to be a lot of fun. That's right. It's going to be a blast and even more reason to not keep us as the best kept secret in NBA media. Make sure you do subscribe to the channel, turn on those notifications, follow us over on the podcast side as well, Apple podcast, Spotify, and tell a friend about the NBA front office show. I think that's going to do it for us today. Appreciate everybody for joining us. Till next time. See ya and stay safe.